rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity we're here today once again with Deacon Ronnie Lostavica and Ms. Renee Brown. We're concluding our series on anger management today. Uh, Renee is our Director of Pastoral Counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas here in the Diocese of Austin. Deacon Ronnie is our Coordinator of Pastoral Care for the Gatesville Region and Restorative Justice Ministry. I'm Father Harry Dean. I'm also in that ministry in service to those who are incarcerated and those who tend to them. We've heard an awful lot of information over our past segments. Today, in closing, both Renee and Deacon Ronnie want to present to us some fun things, uh, I would say, the kinds of things that are practical, that you can practice on your own. You can choose the ones that sound right to you or multiples of them. Uh, but these are just the one, two, three, four, fives of uh, doing different things to help you once you decide that you really want to start doing the work of letting go of your anger and allowing yourself to leave it behind and live free of your anger. So, Renee, let me just ask you to start off with whichever one of the the uh, exercises you want to present. Awesome. So, um, Deacon Ronnie and I have several exercises that we're going to take you through. So much of, of anger is about learning to relax. And so, um, one of the uh, practices, this is called relaxation through progressive muscle relaxation. And so the first thing I want to uh, uh, share with you is this activity actually asks you to close your eyes, but therapists will encourage you that if you do not feel safe closing your eyes, don't do that. Um, everybody, um, any kind of activity that you're involved in, you should always feel safe. So if closing your eyes doesn't feel good to you, you don't have to do that part. But um, so what you want to do is take a moment to settle in. And you're going to start by getting comfortable in your chair, on your bunk, wherever you are. Close your eyes if you like. Um, and then just begin to focus on your breathing. Right. And you want to take some deep breaths. Hold them in for a few seconds. You want to exhale fully and completely. Again, you want to take a deep breath. Feel your lungs, your chest. And now release and exhale slowly. And let's do that again. One more time. Inhale slowly. Hold and release. Now, while you continue to breathe deeply and fully, Bring your awareness to your hands. Clench your fist tightly. Hold that tension. Now relax your fist, letting your fingers unfold and letting your hands completely relax. Again, clench your fist tightly. Hold and release. Imagine all the tension leaving your hands down to your fingertips. Notice the difference between the tension and complete relaxation. Now bring your awareness to your arms. Curl your arms as if you were doing a bicep curl. Tense your fist, forearms, and biceps. Hold the tension and release. Let your arms unfold and your hands float back to your thighs. Feel the tension drain out of your arms. 
Again, curl your arms to tighten your biceps. Notice the tension. Hold, release. Let the tension flow out of your arms. Replace it with deep muscle relaxation. Now raise your shoulders towards your ears. Really tense your shoulders. Hold the tension for a second. Now gently drop your shoulders and release all the tension. Again, lift your shoulders, hold the tension, and release. Let the tension flow from your shoulders all the way down your arms to your fingers. Notice how different your muscles feel when they're relaxed. Now bring your awareness to your neck and your face. Tense all those muscles by making a face. Tense your jaw, your neck, your jaw, and your forehead. Hold the tension and release. Let the muscles of your neck and jaw relax. Relax all the lines in your forehead. One more time. Tense all the muscles in your neck, face. Hold and release. Be aware of the muscles relaxing at the top of your head and around your eyes. Let your eyes relax in their sockets, almost if they were sinking into the back of your head. Relax your jaw and your throat. Relax all the muscles around your ears. Feel all the tension in your neck muscles release. Now sit for just a few moments. Scan your body for any tension and release it. Notice how your body feels when your muscles are completely relaxed. When you're ready, open your eyes. Ask yourself, how was that? Did you notice any new sensations? How does your body feel? Where's your state of mind at? Do you notice any difference from when you first started this activity? If you experience pain during the exercise, reduce your level ex of exertion or focus on relaxing your muscles without tensing them first. So what if while a person is going through that exercise, they find that in the clench uh, position up and down the entire body, they're recognizing a sense of familiarity. Mm. Like a lot of times when people are, are really in distress, they'll they'll hold them, they'll hug themselves, mm -hmm. rock back and forth, rock side to side. And there's something comforting about you know, closing up. Now I'm almost like a turtle going in their shell. So you, you notice that about yourself. And so that when you relax, you feel a sense of vulnerability mm -hmm. instead of a sense of security. What do I do with that? I would encourage people to, um, you know, write about that. If you have a, if you have access to a journal, if you have access, of course, to a counselor, that's even better. Or somebody, you know, a priest, somebody that that's available to talk through that. Because absolutely relaxation can put you into this feeling of vulnerable because you are so relaxed. And so, first of all, just being aware of that is huge. And then writing about what what bothered me about being vulnerable. What what were you thinking in that moment of being relaxed? Because for some people, being relaxed doesn't always feel safe. It's easier to hold tension, right? Tension can actually kind of be a boundary or barrier. So um, I think having that awareness is awesome if that happens to you. And then just writing about it or talking to somebody about it, perfect. Deacon Ronnie. Well, I'd like to offer some uh, anger factors affecting our hearts and some solutions. Uh, 
And what I'll do is I'll to uh, describe a uh, anger heart factor. I'll give you a description of it and then uh, a constructive alternative. Um, I'll just preface this by saying a relaxed body and mind buffers you from overly active anger and hostile thoughts and actions. So by spending less time with anger and hostile thoughts, you'll have more time for living with a relaxed mind and body. So the first heart anger factor would be a false justification for anger. So that's blaming others for your anger. That would be the description. And the constructive alternative would be accepting responsibility for your feelings. So that's something that I have a choice in doing. Uh, the other anger uh, heart factor would be uh, anger renumination, uh, going over and over the same negative parasitic anger thoughts. Uh, for instance, somebody says something negative to you, to you in the morning, and, and that's, that's the one thing you remember all day long. And so imagine the thoughts floating freely into the clouds. This would be the, the constructive alternative would be imagine, imagine the thoughts floating freely into the clouds and return to earth as raindrops with words that splash on the ground. So you've just released them to the air. Uh, the other image I like to use is I'm sitting by a river bank and it's clear, crystal clear water. And this, this uh, log jam comes by. Well, I have two choices. I, I, I can follow it down and it's going to drag me off or I just let it pass. So I want to let it just let it go on down. So that would be my constructive alternative. The um, other thing is a negative effect. The, the triple threat of anxiety, depression, and anger, all three together. So we want to relax and separate each factor from the mix. So identify the parasitic cognitive signature of each and then change the signatures. So you follow this divide and conquer approach and you can weaken the condition uh, with this triple, triple threat factor. Expressed hostility, it, that's an attitude of ill will expressed by telling people off, promoting suffering, etc. Our constructive alternative would be to determine if the belief is worth the time and effort to support it, or if you have better things to do with your life. The uh, next heart, or anger heart factor would be suppressed hostility. And that's denying or concealing hateful feelings to avoid conflict, to avoid fear of retaliation, and by going overboard on politeness and manners to appear different from how you feel. And the constructive alternative to this is to avoid an accusatory tone that might invite retaliation, but instead practice expressing thoughts flexi thought flexibility, such as, I believe, or it seems to me, or based on what I know at this time. So then you begin to externalize some things, and you've not kept that uh, close or caught up inside you. The next one is suppressed anger. That's stuffing or hiding or, and internalizing your anger by not expressing the emotional appropriateness at the time of its occurrence. And the people who typically hold in anger are more likely to experience hypertension. My, my constructive alternative to that would be to express anger feelings by re re referencing a specific issue. So present your feelings assertively and in a non-accusatory, non-defensive, and non-judgmental way. I'm just applying that forward. And then 
the next one was cynical distrust and, and pessimism. Um, it's a habitual attitude of suspicion and distrust of others that along with a wave of, of anger promotes unpleasant relationships and increases coronary heart disease. Um, pessimism is a factor of, of, of a, a cynical distrust and it's associated with high levels of inflammation and hypertension. Uh, the constructive alternative is do volunteer work to help protect those who can't protect themselves and cooperative work with and through others in uh, the prime is the prime path to go. So I've, I'm moving to an other centered life. Which in that is so difficult for our incarcerated flock to do. And they, you all are listening to us out there and you know, you're affected by what you hear on the news. There's a lot of politics that gets discussed in our prison systems, people reflect what's on the outside as well. And there's a lot of hostility in our public discourse today that just seems to fuel itself, where there's all anger all the time, almost because it's entertaining enough to get people to watch certain programs that promote it, whatever the political side of the a la person might be on. None of that is helpful for what we're trying to achieve here. So I think we have to be able to say that out loud and allow ourselves the gift of participating in the, the process of, a, of a, a free country, but at the same time, not let the rhetoric of people involved take us down and take us to places that we don't need to go that are not Christ-like, that are not charitable, that are not part of the, the communion uh, that the church is looking for amongst uh, all people. And these things that you're talking about here, Deacon Ronnie, are, are just spot on for trying to challenge that. And the places where we can seek that out uh, within uh, our communities uh, and within our units would be our faith-based dorms. Uh, some of the ITP programs that the units are offering in terms of cognitive development, moving me away from my old self into my true self and, and less of my false self. And, and all of those uh, are, are good works uh, uh, do promote cooperative uh, extensions with one another and less about self-centeredness and anger. Uh, the last one I've mentioned is a proactive and uh, related um, aggressions. The description of this one would be re repeatedly and aggressively trying to benefit at another's expense. And the, const the constructive alternative to that is do a, re a role reversal. Uh, consider how you'd prefer others to treat you. By pausing and reflecting, you may experience the influence of your rational powers to divert the anger energy to something constructive uh, that is of a shorter duration. So anger and hostility and, and their various forms are, are not only the, uh, the only psychological factors that uh, contribute to our uh, health problems. Uh, patterns of depression and anxiety can also be uh, averted, uh, aversive to it as well as a the pessimistic view of life in general. So we've, we've got to take a positive ch uh, change in, in these areas to be beneficial to our health and relationships with, with uh, each other. Um, and just, uh, it's just, that's employing the good practices that we've spoken about and then go to work, go to work due to them. In all things charity. In all things charity. What do you have, Renee? So this next activity, well, I have two. Um, we're going to try the meditation one. Meditation can be very challenging for some people because it requires quiet. Um, and quiet can be challenging um, often for people who are experiencing, you know, some distress. But um, 
what you want to do is uh, choose a quiet room or a quiet place, and, and it shouldn't be too brightly lit, you know, so. Um, and the best times to do meditation are, are usually before breakfast, after dinner, um, but any time is, is going to be fun, too. And you want to try to start with meditation is just challenging. I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm a little hyper by nature, so meditation is a little challenging for me. But if you can start with five minutes and then the whole goal is to build up for 20 minutes. And so um, sit straight in a, in a chair. You want your spine to be straight. You want it to be erect. You want your ears above your shoulders, you know, kind of have your chin tucked in a little bit, right? And you almost want to feel like there's a string attached to the top of your head pulling you upright. There is something about setting up straight that can really help us to feel better at stretching that spine. And have your feet flat on the floor. Your hands should be resting in your lap. If you need to, rock back and forth until you feel your posture is centered and balanced. Let your eyes droop nearly closed if you're comfortable with that. And you want to be um, to have your eyes kind of directed towards a spot on the floor, maybe just a few feet in front of you. Keep your body perfectly still unless you need to shift because um, it's uncomfortable or you're in discomfort. You want to start with deep breathing. Inhale normally, but exhale deeply. Let all the breath flow out. Pause, then inhale, letting the breath flow in naturally. Use the muscles of your abdomen rather than your chest to breathe. Now allow your breathing to become natural, somewhat slow, as though you were settling down to go to sleep. As you exhale, count one. Continue counting each time you excel up to 10. If thoughts enter your mind and you forget to count, simply notice and dismiss the thoughts and then begin again with one. Do the same thing with sounds and bodily sensations. Simply notice them and dismiss them and go back to one. If you wish to time your meditation, uh, you can use a timer. Um, some people will do that. Uh, if you have a way to keep time, that can be helpful. Letting thoughts pass through. Many thoughts work are going to enter your mind when you're meditating. Don't try to stop them, but don't try to follow them. Just let them pass through. Some people like to keep a notepad next to them in case a thought arises that needs to be remembered. Um, but sometimes that can be a chore because the whole idea is for relaxation. Um, you may not notice any particular effect from meditation at first, but the key is to do it regularly, day after day, um, gradually getting more centered and becoming more uh, capable of, of being centered so you can realize, release that stress from your life. Renee, when people do that the day after day, and I want you to continue, but I just want to oh, ask this question. Okay. Um, 
do we get accustomed to it? Mm-hmm. Does it become like a, a something where the body says, hey, you haven't given me that that relaxation time. Bring it on. Absolutely. So we had an intern that was working with us and he was amazing. He was one, 84 years old and he was an intern counselor. So that was so cool. But he did meditation every day and had worked up to three hours a day. He would meditate for three hours and he he shared with me he felt like that's why at 84 you know he was in good physical health mental emotional health here he was a college graduate at 84 in a psychology program to become a counselor and he you know attributed a lot of that to meditation because he had learned you know to get to that that core to that center and to you know just invite that calmness and to let go of thoughts. I mean, he was that person that can meditate and actually think of nothing. That passing through of thought sounds very challenging, but it's a practice, just like I said. So at first, you may be sitting there trying to meditate, and you're like, okay, well, I've got to do this, and i got to do that, and I'd rather be reading this book or whatever. But then eventually what you learn is just to kind of let that pass through the mind. And then hopefully, as you do it more, you'll be able to think of just nothing. That That's kind of that, that end goal. So it almost sounds like it's a type of detox. Absolutely. Like, like, like you're kind of the, that pass-through part. Mm-hmm. If I'm not holding on to stuff that keeps me tense— then, then I'm letting it. I'm letting it go, and uh, it, it reminds me of what we were talking about in an earlier session. It might have been this one. I can't remember now, but where you were saying, "Give it over to God." Uh, Saint John Paul II had this really wonderful. Um, uh, I forget which exact kind of, of uh, presentation it was—an apostolic exhortation or letter or something—but it was on on the Lord's Supper, and one of the things that he recommended in there was to take special people, special circumstances, negative or positive. And when you're in mass, when the gifts are brought up, which unfortunately in many cases we're not getting to bring gifts up, but anyway, when they're making the, the when the patent and, and the chalice are making their way to the altar for the preparation of the gifts, to take those individuals or those circumstances and literally place them in the patent and in the chalice and watch them be lifted up in the, the act of consecration, giving them over to God. Mm-hmm. Gives you a physical sight kind of thing. It makes you have to apply yourself in that particular moment of the, the Eucharistic prayers. And uh, it was his opinion that this was a very beneficial thing. And I've said this to an awful lot of folks, and it's it's another version on giving th- things up to mm-hmm. God, but it, it's a practical thing that you engage yourself in. And I've always found it to be a, a very uh, positive one myself. I'd like to um, also... Um offer the PERS technique, and the PERS is P-U-R-R-R-S. It's a technique for slowing down, figuring things out, and acting effectively. And it's essentially um, a tool to, a useful tool to nip anger, awfulizing in the bud. And here are the steps of this process. The first is to pause and you are unlikely to change a process without being aware of the process you want to change. So in this awareness phase, you pause by turning your anger signals, um, turning into your anger signals. You start to gather your thoughts by asking yourself what the anger signal means. Is um, an action warranted? Do you think 
do you need to think before you act? And if you need a reminder to ask yourself these questions, uh, some people have used a, a just a simple green dot on their thumb or on their watch just as a remembrance to always pause. Mm-hmm. So just to take the sense of, of collecting yourself and pausing. The, the next step in this PERS technique is to use. Um, use your mobilization step. Use your resources to monitor your thinking. Put your thinking into slow motion and review what you just told yourself. Uh, this monitoring makes your thoughts accessible to examination, uh, which will incur in the next step, which is to reflect. So I've paused, I've used, and now I'm reflecting. And the, the pause and use steps set the stage for reflecting. This, at this phase, you expand on the issue, you gather more information, you reflect on how you feel, and you examine what you are telling yourself and think deeply about what is happening to lead you to this parasitic anger distractions. The next step is reason. And in the reasoning phase, you evaluate your self-talk. What is the emotional tone of your thoughts? Does your thinking put you at the principle of intolerance for frustration and anger and aggressive actions? And if so... What do you need to do to change the trajectory? Are you developing a picture in your mind of what you'd like to accomplish and your opinions? And what is within your power to do uh, or, and to lessen your tensions or increase your effectiveness? What are the steps you need to take now and the steps that are instructions in which you can, can, can follow yourself? So look, look beyond the moment and um, estimate where the following instructions will get you. So is it, is it doable? Is it real? And I think then and just kind of summarizing those, that particular part, is it, a, is it an objective or is it subjective? Is my reasoning subjective here or is it, is it being objective? And the next one would be my response. I'm going to follow up uh, with the instructions by taking yourself through the, through the, through the paces. Um, Last, but not uh, next to last, would be to review and revise. As conditions change, you want to modify what, what you would do to, to adapt to the changes and the ongoing situations, and uh, revisions will often take place on the fly. So that, that's just giving yourself permission to make those changes. And the last thing would be to stabilize and uh, keep practicing improving your PERS is automatically in situations where it's needed. The process will help you recognize, evaluate, and replace low frustration tolerance, extensions of blame, and various other forms of anger thinking um, that can spin off from, from, from your tolerances and tensions. All of these things are beautiful, practical uh, ways for us to try and engage this letting go of our anger. But one question I would have for you, Renee, being a, a professional counselor, are there any diagnosed or clinical uh, mental health conditions that make it more difficult for some than others? Like is someone who's been diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic or someone who has um, uh, chronic depression or a, a lot of the ones that are kind of common out there now, uh, are, do they face a harder time working these exercises, getting the forest for the trees, the mm-hmm. objective versus the subject of all of that? Or, or is everybody kind of at the same place no matter what? Um, no, I feel like there could be, um, 
I think anybody can do this work, but I think there are going to be some persons with uh, diagnoses that this is going to be more challenging for. So if a person is schizophrenic, for example, and they're not, um, you know, on some of their medications they may need, then this work would be maybe a little more challenging for them. Um, a person that is diagnosed with a depressive disorder, um, and if they're, once again, like not on a good regimen of eating and sleeping and all those good things or maybe some medication, some of these will be challenging just because with depression, you don't want to do this stuff. So sometimes a diagnosis can influence the um, the ability to, to kind of follow through with some of these things. It may be a little more challenging for some people than others. Absolutely. I wanted to bring that up for those who don't have those diagnoses, but if you're doing time with somebody who does, you're making progress on your management and you're seeing other people not make it at the same rate, not to be judgmental about that, but actually to be supportive of them uh, because you're having an easier go Mm -hmm. of it and you're finding it's challenging for you. Now you want to try and put yourself in their shoes and be able to say this is challenging for them too. Well, let us conclude by once again calling upon our God. Uh, This is from Psalm 80. O shepherd of Israel, hear us. You who lead Jacob's flock, shine forth from your cherubim throne upon Ephraim, Benjamin, Manasseh. O Lord, raise up your might. O Lord, come to our help. God of hosts, bring us back. Let your face shine on us, and we shall be saved. If you walk with me, brother, 